What's up? What's up? What's up? Ooh. In the middle of a minute. At least for me. Since the last time I've been alive. If you guys don't know by now, I'm going to be going live with Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up show. I'm just going to be, you know, chopping it up. Chopping it up about, um, you know, game caught football and whatnot. And he should be doing it anytime soon. What's up, man? What's going on? You right? What's up, man? How you been? Here, let me uh, let me grab my AirPods. Um, okay. Yeah. Make it a little bit easier on us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's going on, man? How are I can't you? believe. I'm good, man. I'm good. Just you know, I, I you know, I was gonna do it outside, but uh, it looked like it looked, it looked like it's in the rain right now. So I don't know if I should head back in right now. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I'm not a, uh, I'm not in my normal spot, man. Honestly, I'm not in the, uh, the studios of right now. Um, I'm kind of going back and forth between Columbia and my home. I'm helping out with the family and stuff like that, and just it's that time of. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's that time of year, so just been kind of going back and forth. That's why the the backdrop isn't quite what the normal setup would be. But uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on. Obviously, any, any opportunity to talk football and talk South Carolina and just talk sports with with anybody, man. I'm 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 a big big believer in saying yes. So I appreciate you having me for sure. Nah, man, I appreciate you. Um, I, I appreciate you coming on. Honestly, um, last. Uh, last time we spoke, a lot has happened since then. Um, a, a lot has happened. Um, yeah. When, when was it? When I, was I, the last time we chatted? I, I know it was a while. When, do you remember uh, specifically it, it was? It, it was. It's been a bit. It was New Year's Eve. Um, it was like it was December thirty first, twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, we was you know we was pretty much talking about um what. What 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 to really expect from Beamer? Um, and you know, I kind of want to I, I kind of want to go back into that, but first I gotta get your yeah. initial reaction. Wow, back in Willie B. Say it again. Sorry, yeah, cut it, cut out a little bit there. You're, you're cutting out a little bit. All right, hold on. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna switch my location, but uh, <laughs> you're good. Yeah, I, your <laughs> technology's great until it isn't, my friend. Trust me. Yeah, that's my fault. That's my fault. No, nah, you're good. You're good. Uh, you're good. But yeah, I just wanted to. Um, I don't know if you can hear me now, but I just um, I asked. Yeah, what's I your, What was your initial reaction? Yeah, I just wanted to. Um, what was your initial reaction to 
the news of 100% capacity being back allowed in williams Bryce. Oh, I mean, it's, you know, how, how can you be anything but elated, right? You know, after last season and tailgating was really a shell of itself. And, and I, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to a few games. I actually traveled, went on the road to LSU, and I went to uh, two of the last South kind of home games. I went to Georgia and Missouri. And, you know, obviously it was just – it was a very, very strange year. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm not somebody that, you know, obviously on my show, you know, nobody tunes in to hear my opinions on – the pandemic and how, how to handle things of that nature. But, you know, we all just kept saying the same thing. Hey, whatever it takes, let's just get back to 100% capacity and have game day as it once was again and have fans in the stadium. You know, there's nothing like 80,000 strong inside Williams-Brice and that game day atmosphere and that home field advantage. And, you know, that goes for every single stadium, man, just getting fans back because it's so big in college football and it makes such a difference. And, uh, no, I mean, the, the news when I heard it, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I fully expect this to go back to that. You could kind of see with things happening in the world that we were getting closer and closer back to that. But thank goodness, man. Thank goodness. Because last year was just so weird. And like I said, the season and tailgating, and it was just all a shell of itself. And now to get back to it, and especially with the uh, the excitement that's surrounding Shane Beamer's, you know, what he's doing this preseason, and obviously Shane Beamer's first season in Columbia, to have 100% capacity. Um, I don't know that there will ever be an FCS game that will be rowdier than the one we'll see September the 4th when Eastern Illinois comes to town. So very excited, obviously. And obviously, man, I, I was just like everybody else. I was absolutely thrilled when we heard the news that, uh, you know, we'd be getting, getting 100% capacity back for South Carolina, the SEC, and really college football as a whole. Yeah. Um, the talk. Talk about the um, NIL, the uh, NIL rule that that was recently passed. Um, you know, mm -hmm. just to talk about your opinion about it in general, and then how do you think it, it will help Gamecock football in the near future? Mm -hmm. Well, the NIL stuff, I like it, man. I, I know there's mixed reviews and mixed reactions. I, I like it, though. I, I like it more so from the sense of, because, listen, I think just like anything else, you know, especially early on, we're going to kind of have to learn and see and adjust how this thing really plays out, what the actual impact is felt, how it's felt from it, if you will. But, I, I mean, I, I believe in that kids should be able to benefit and, and profit off their own name, image, likeness, all that stuff. I mean, a kid, if I want to go up to Luke Doty and give him $100 for an autograph, he shouldn't get in trouble because of that. I mean, he's worked really hard for that name and his image and his personal brand, if you will. So getting that out of the way and letting these kids profit from their own likeness, I think it's a smart move. Now, I think it is a very slippery slope in the sense, you know, we're starting to see the stuff kind of Miami and the gym owner that wants to pay like $6,000 per kid and this, that, and we're seeing different stories, whatever. I view it from two different sides, man, because I view it from just the sports fan side. And obviously, man, doing what I do, like I run a small business myself that could take advantage of that. I am one, I'll tell you this, business-wise, I'm kind of sitting back and just letting this thing unfold, sort of waiting and watching what happens. Because I think there's going to be a lot of bad deals cut on both sides. I think there are going to be businesses that vastly overpay for these kids and they overvalue how much their name, image, likeness is really worth. And that's no disrespect and knock on the kid, by the way. Hey, if you can get that money, go get it, young man. Why not? Um, because I think people, you know, I, I'll just speak from the college athlete side of things. Again, I was a D2 athlete, but people think, Oh, they're getting a free education. They're so well off, this, that. Dude, there are guys right now on your favorite team at the Power Five level, at the SEC level, that are much worse off than you could ever imagine. So, again, ha letting them have this opportunity, I'm all for it. But I think there will be bad deals cut on both sides. I mean, I think, again, business is overpaying. And I also think there will be kids that take far too little that 
get absolutely robbed, get bamboozled in this whole thing. So I think it's something, you know, people are having this initial reaction. Oh, my God, it's terrible. It's going to kill college football, this, that, whatever. All I'm telling you is let it play out, man. I I don't think it's going to have nearly the impact that people think it is. Because, dude, really, if you're outside of that top, like, 25, 30, really, truly elite players in college football, I don't think it's really going to be, like, that big of an impact. People say, oh, what about the recruiting side? Oh, you know, the big power five schools, they can just pay whoever to come to their school. Dude, who's going to pay a guy who's not a starter, who's not a great player, who's not an All-American, who's not an all-conference guy? You know what I mean? Like, in recruiting, if you're a prospect, you better not just pick a school because, oh, I can go there and get a sponsorship and get paid. Bro, you better go somewhere you can play because if you don't play, nobody's going to want to pay you anyway. Bottom line. I mean, again, I can tell you right now, I mean, looking at, you know, on my perspective from the business side of things, I'm not going to go invest money in a kid. It's not going to help me financially wise, business wise, all of that stuff. I don't care how much I like the kid or he plays for my favorite team, whatever. In regards to how it affects South Carolina, I mean, I, I do think it, I, I think it helps South Carolina in the sense of, you know, Columbia, South Carolina being in the city. I mean, if you want to sell that to a kid, hey, there's plenty of opportunities here. There's plenty of small businesses. There's plenty of opportunities to market yourself and get out in the community. And you have maybe more of an opportunity to do that than you would in, say, like a Clemson or an Athens or a a smaller college town, if you I think being in the city actually helps you in that regard. But for people that are worried that it's just going to completely change the landscape of recruiting and, oh, you know, the funniest thing is this, my friend. When people say, oh, you know, like – Alabama and all these, they're just going to get the best players now, you know, a coastal Carolina and a Boise State and this. No, no, here's the problem. Here's the thing people don't want to recognize. Boise State and Alabama, they don't play for the same trophy year in, year out anyways. Let's stop pretending they do. They, they don't recruit for the same players. This deal or no other deal is going to change that. The Power Five is on their own planet right now. So um, at the end of the day, man, I think the NIL stuff is great for the kids. I'm all about, you know, supporting the athletes and letting them profit off their name and likeness again. Should they get paid? That's a whole separate conversation. I think that's a slippery slope. But as far as profiting off your name image likeness, man, I think that's a no-brainer, and I think it's a good thing for college football. I think it's a good thing for the college athletes. But uh, as far as helping South Carolina, again, like I said, I think being in a city, you can certainly sell that. You know, I live in Columbia. It's a great place. It's a great place for young professionals and the opportunity to, to market with people and meet people and all that good stuff. But I don't think it's going to have quite the impact on college football and the game as a whole that maybe some people think it will. Um, this is this is this is a bonus question. I, I just thought about this, but um, who do you which which past game college do you think would have profited the most if um if this um, nil thing was passed? Uh, like well, the name, the name that, yeah, the name that was, out definitely definitely Stephen Garcia. Um, <laughs> that's the one that that definitely jumps out. I mean, just you know the the big man on campus. Obviously, Garcia is a legend. Still is a legend. Um, I think he would have profited greatly. I mean, you think of a guy like Jadavion Clowney going in his senior year after the hit went viral. I think no doubt. Who was a more popular college football player than Jadavion Clowney going into 2013? Like nobody, literally nobody. So I think he would have crushed it. You know, maybe Marcus Lattimore for sure. But, you know, those those big personality guys and especially the quarterbacks, I think we probably all agree. Like Johnny Manziel would have probably been the highest. I think he probably would have profited the most of like any college football player maybe ever. So – but Gamecock, yeah, I got to go with either Garcia or Clowney. I think probably would have been the top guys, man. Just not only were they great football players, but they were personalities as well, and they sort of had their signature plays and signature moments. You know, again, Clowney with the hit against Michigan and Steven Garcia beating Alabama and going to the SEC championship. I, I think both those guys could have 
They could have benefited greatly, that's for sure. Um, I kind of want to let's um uh, let's let's start to move towards um Shane Beamer now. Um, yeah. Specifically, his his job, his 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 wonderful job of recruiting. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it stands right now, but last time I checked on twenty four seven sports. Uh, South Carolina had a top 20 recruiting class. Like I said, I don't know if that still stands um, right now. But um, just, you know, just, just just give me your opinions on, like, on how well, you know, Beamer has been recruiting. And um, what and what exactly do you think has led to this this is, this success early on? Because, you know, the, the last five years for South Carolina hasn't been pretty, you know, if we're being honest. So, um yeah, I, yeah, just, it's it's been incredible. I mean, you have to you have to give all the credit in the world to Shane Beamer, his coaching staff, and man, I, you know, I I think when you really boil it down to it, if you want, you want me to summarize why they've been able to find such success on the recruiting trail, I think when you have a really positive, enthusiastic attitude, and you work your tail off, and you really believe in what you're doing, and when you have a bunch of people in the building in the facility that you know believes in one another, loves where they are, and works their asses off, and comes together and all fighting towards a common goal, you can do a lot more with a lot less. I also think, you know, speaking of people in the building and actually the building itself, you know, let's talk about getting recruits and prospects back on campus. You know, I, I think that was a huge thing for South Carolina, certainly everyone. But when you're the Gamecocks, and you, you, you can't necessarily, especially recently, but you can't sell tradition and on-field success, unfortunately, quite as much as some other schools maybe, right? Um but what you can sell at South Carolina is that brand new shiny $60 million whatever dollars ops building you have, that indoor facility, the brand new practice field, the tailgating lots, hey, the stadium, the game day atmosphere, everything South Carolina has to offer in that regard. And again, if you've never seen that ops building, it, I mean, it's just, it's second to none when it comes to college football facilities. So getting kids back on campus has certainly helped them. But again, I think Shane Beamer, just what he's done, man, he hired a bunch of assistants and a bunch of elite recruiters that it's an infectious attitude, man. And that momentum, you can certainly feel it from in the building to out on social media within the fan base. Um, so I think it's as simple as that, man. And, but I will say what he's doing is beyond anything I expected. You know, I, my, my expectations are still, I'm trying to keep them very realistic. My expectations are still, if the Gamecocks can finish top 30 in recruiting, for his first full recruiting cycle, certainly top 25, that is a success, right? That's a success. What's wild about all this, man, is that he's doing all this. He's selling what he's selling with no on-field success. They haven't even coached a game yet. So that's what's really crazy. That's one of the craziest parts to me is that they're able to, you know, sell this and, and, and pitch South Carolina to these prospects, and they haven't even played a game yet. Imagine if you go win six or seven ball games this year. Imagine if you go win a bowl game. You're going to see recruiting change. Um, at the University of South Carolina. I will say this, and again, I, I know you talk about, you know, the, the recent success in the recruiting trail, and it hasn't been great. I, I would say this to you, though, man. I mean, outside of last year, which, you know, I didn't think was going to be a good recruiting class, even if Bill Muschamp was still the head coach and you had a solid year last year, like the, the talent in state was as weak as it had ever been. Um, but South Carolina's really always been able to recruit. Like, they've always been able to pull in top 25 classes. The Gamecocks have never struggled in recruiting. Even with the lack of on-field success and, and issues they've had with some past coaches and this, that, or whatever, they've always found a way to recruit. So I really wasn't worried. And, hey, let's not forget Shane Beamer. He was the mastermind in recruiting back when South Carolina was pulling in the best classes in school history, 2007 to 2010, when they were recruiting some of the best Gamecocks to ever grace 
the hallways in Columbia, right, to ever grace campus. So I really wasn't worried about the recruiting side of things when Shane Beamer got the job. I guess the biggest surprise is I didn't quite expect to see it take off this quickly. And the way, you know, even beyond the recruiting stuff, because the recruiting is just the product. But to me, it's – it's or the byproduct, excuse me. But what even more so impresses me is the way Shane Beamer's been able to just completely flip the momentum, completely change up the mindset and the feeling around Columbia and the feeling amongst Gamecock Nation and how he's been able to just – you know, this is a program that was in shambles, shambles seven months ago, right? And now all of a sudden you're sitting here in July. And I, I know it's the preseason, and right? Hope springs eternal. Uh, yeah, hope springs eternal in the off, in the off season, and everybody's zero and zero. Nobody's lost a game. You know, we're in the honeymoon phase. Nobody's dropped a pass. Nobody's fumbled the football. Uh, nobody's thrown a pick. Right, whatever. But the way he's been able to completely flip and shift the mindset and the momentum surrounding Carolina football. You just can't say enough good things about Shane Beamer. And obviously, again, we'll continue. We'll see if we continue to see that build and see if they can maintain that throughout the season. But the job he's done at this point, man, again, I know it's the honeymoon phase, but I don't really know what more you could have asked for out of Shane Beamer's first preseason in Cola, that's for sure. Yeah, um, just just um, kind of um, piggybacking off of what you said for a little bit. Um, the, the one thing that I've been shocked about is the way that he's been selling the city, like selling the, like selling the Carolina. Yeah. And the state. And the state, too. And the state. Yeah. Um, like, I, um, I was like, it was like not too long ago, I watched um, the South Carolina's digital visit. Like, like they got a YouTube video, um, like, pretty much, like, going through, like, all the stuff, like, that you would go through, mm. like, on yeah. the visit, like, on the actual football visit. And, um, you know, that's something – you can tell, like you can tell, pretty much that that that, that was one hundred percent Beamer's idea. Like, yeah. like, like he wanted to make sure that you know, if I can't get you on campus, I, I want you to feel this Carolina experience. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's something you know, that's something that we hasn't that we as Gamecock fans hasn't haven't seen in quite some time. You know, someone actually be passionate about you know being a Gamecock. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that comes from a guy being, being bought in, right? I mean, he said it many times. This is his dream job. He wants to be here. And I, I don't think that was lip service, man. Like, Shane Beamer actually meant it when he said it. So, again, when Shane Beamer got hired and the word culture was the thing you heard constantly, just culture, 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 somebody who wants to be here. For a lot of schools, bro, that wouldn't mean anything, right? That, that would not be nearly the most important quality they were looking for when they, where they, look, they were looking for a football coach. But for South Carolina, it is. It's, it's a special place. It's a unique place. It's not the easiest job in the world, and there's a challenge to it, and you need somebody in here that understands that challenge and is willing to embrace it and sees what's special about the University of South Carolina and why it, you know, looking at it glass half full instead of glass half empty, right? Why South Carolina can be, hey, why not us, like Steve Spurrier said. So, um, you know, I, I think that's just a reflection of that, man. I, I think when you have somebody, like I said, that's truly bought in and is passionate about it and believes in it, you know, that comes out in their daily actions and words. And, you know, also shout out to Justin King and that media team they have that's done a great job of putting that stuff together. And um, the Gamecocks, I think, did about as good a job as you can do when you, you weren't allowed to have prospects on campus of trying to display that and display the city and display everything that USC has to offer. But, uh, no, man, again, like I said, I think it's just truly a byproduct of when you have someone on campus that truly believes in what you're doing and, and wants to be there and, and – uh, you know, believes in the vision of what it can be, I think you're seeing the byproduct. And like I said, it is crazy. It, it's, it's wild that we have to 
you know, to me, it feels like it's kind of wild that we have to even just think that. It's like, dude, if you're getting paid to be a head football coach at a school, you'd think they want to be there and believe in it. But, hey, I, as we saw before, things were very broken. They were much more broken than we thought they were. So it's just been a great change of pace as a whole, man, to see what Shane Beamer's brought to South Carolina. It's, it's, it's truly incredible. Um, I was watching your I was watching your interview with Josh Pate um a few mm-hmm. days ago. For those who don't know Josh Pate, um mm-hmm. he has his own show late kick cut, I think, on twenty four sevens on sports. Yeah. He does a great job. Josh an awesome dude. Yeah, he's 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 one of my favorite. But um something interesting that he said um concerning one of our one of the um you know, bigger recruits that we have, um quarterback mm-hmm. Braden Davis. He said, um, you know, he said, uh, I think, I, I kind of forgot, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but he said, Brandon Davis um, is probably going to be, like, the like most important piece that mm-hmm. we yeah. have at South Carolina, um, you know, for for years to come. You know, I, I, I kind of agree with that, um, you know, because college football is simple, you know what I'm saying? You find you find the one quarterback and like you pretty pretty much find the one quarterback and the the quarterback domino will fall. The snowball effect mm-hmm. will happen. Um yeah. so like like I just wanna get your I just wanna get your like initial reaction on um, you know, Brandon Davis and, you know, just the expectations mm-hmm. of what this kid um of, of what this kid can bring to South Carolina. Yeah, and what Josh said was you got to hit the home run of the quarterback position. That's all it'll take. Hit the home run of the quarterback position, and maybe Braden Davis could be that. As far as far as expectations, man, I mean, listen, this is a kid that hadn't even stepped foot on campus yet. I mean, I think certainly, you know, the expectation I have of him is to be one of the leaders of the 2022 recruiting class and be a guy that comes in and, you know, competes for playing time early. Of course, Luke Doty's still going to be there. Colton Gauthier is going to be there. Hey, Jason Brown might still be there. The entire quarterback room, may return, you know what I mean? So, But I do expect Braden Davis to come in, uh, compete early. The thing that I was more intrigued about, you know, is, is I'd like to see, and something I didn't think we saw any of with the last staff, which just blew my mind, was what type of players are they recruiting at the quarterback position? Is it more pocket passers? Is it dual threat? Is it um, a pure scrambler? You know what I mean? It kind of, that that kind of tells me and gives me an idea, okay, this is what we want to do offensively. You look at Braden Davis, He's a balanced guy. He can get out of the pocket. He's an athlete, but he can also throw the football, similar to a Luke Doty. So I think to myself, okay, we want to be, as Shane Beamer and Marcus Satterfield have sort of said before, we want to be spread out, up-tempo, kind of what you see in in, uh, in in college football today, like you said. But like you said, man, it's simple, right? College football, it's not this, like, it's not rocket science. Great players win big games, bottom line. And – Josh is right, man. You got to hit the. You got to hit the home run at the quarterback position. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. And South Carolina, for whatever reason, you know, call it coaching, call it lack of development, call it whatever you want to. They have not hit on that position really since Dylan Thompson left campus. Um, and really, you could argue Connor Shaw. I think Dylan though had a great year in 2014, but they haven't hit on a quarterback since Dylan Thompson. They've been looking for truly that guy. Since he left. Now, again, you had Jake Bentley, but his career even was very, very up and down. And, man, it felt like every other week, you know, people were calling for his job. And, oh, let's go to the backup, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I understand the backup quarterback is the most popular guy on campus. But, yeah, Josh was right, man. You've you got to find that quarterback that you can hang your hat on, that is that home run guy for you. Because, again, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance in college football. You, you just it, – it's a, it's a premium position. You have to have that guy. So, Braden Davis – 
Can he be that guy? Certainly. I mean, again, he's a highly regarded prospect, four-star kid. After you lost Gunnar Stockton, I think you had to go out, obviously, and get a guy like that. And, you know, very highly ranked kid. Again, it's a while until he steps foot on campus. But I'd expect nothing less for him, man, to come in, compete for the job. Um, will he play next year? Will he take the starting job? Heck, I don't know. Like I said, that's so far out. But, uh, you know, I think the more good quality football players you get, you finally believe now with Shane Beamer and Marcus Satterfield that this is going to be a staff that develops players. And you feel like you hope at least, God, we, we hope that the development of the quarterback position is going to be much, much better than years prior. Um so, you know, maybe you're able to hit on that guy. Maybe you're able to find a guy. Maybe, maybe Luke Doty becomes that guy. Heck, I don't know. Maybe Braden Davis is that one. But, hey, you keep getting these four-star. I know it's all not about stars, but you keep getting quality football players. You keep getting really high-quality players on campus on your roster. Eventually, at some point, bro, you're going to look around and say, dang, we got a pretty good football team. So, um, but certainly that's going to be one of the top priorities, man, for Shane Beamer early on in his tenure. Again, whether it's Luke Doty, Colton Gothier, Jason Brown, Braden Davis, or somebody else, you've got to find that answer at quarterback. Because, like I said, if you don't have a quarterback, you simply don't have a chance in today's college game. Um, I want to – okay, I, I, I want to switch over to, um, you know, the the actual season. Um, it's, it's coming it's, it's coming quicker than I actually thought. Um, 54 days, man. I'm telling you, 50. you're going to blink. You're going to blink, and it's going to be game week. I'm telling you. I'm telling yeah, you. Exactly. But um, you know, I was I was listening to your show earlier, and you was you know you was giving your first half of the season predictions. You got um, four and two. Um, I my my overall prediction was um, six and six. Um, you know, I I'll take that. I'll I'll take that. Um, as for being my first year, I I, I will gladly accept six and six. But um, you know, one thing that one one thing that I noticed about South Carolina, um, you know. Even going back to 2010, like that that um that 2010 team was after every big game that we had, like let's say the um you know 2010 um Alabama game, we win that. Following week, we lose. Same thing in 2012 with that Georgia game, we dropped two straight after that big Georgia game. Um, right, the Georgia game a few years back with Helensky. Auburn last year so it's really it's it's really a pattern that you know after our highest highs we hit our right. lowest lows um <laughs> honestly but um you know I just want to like, like I just want to get your opinion on that um you know how can South Carolina avoid you know going from you know the like like the very top of the like program for one right. week to just just losing it all the, the very next week yeah, I mean, and I think it's simple. I mean, I think the answer is simple, man. You just attack each and every single game and each and every single week the exact same way. You know, you don't allow yourself, you know, one of my favorite baseball players is Marcus Stroman. He, he I, you know, I can't, again, I'm paraphrasing him, but I watched like an interview clip of him after a game. He's like, dude, through the wins, the losses. And, uh, you know, if you look at Alabama, they do such a, dude, what's, what's so amazing about Alabama, it's not that they've won national championship, national championship. They stay hungry. They keep a chip on their shoulder. They're going to attack this season like they've won zero titles and everybody's picking against them. When in reality, what are we all saying? I mean, it's Alabama and everybody else in college football. That's what it feels like. The fact they show up year after year after year after year with that same intensity, that same hunger, right? They're still hungry. Nick Saban, he's still hungry. And I think for South Carolina, I mean, it's simple. I know people say, oh, you know, the Gamecock curse, and oh, it's just the Gamecocks, this, that, whatever. 
but just attack each and every single game and each and every single week the right way, man. Like, have a short memory, whether it's positive, whether it's negative. You know, I've talked to guys that were on that 2010 team, man, that, that beat Alabama and then lost to Kentucky. And, hey, I had some of them tell me, you know, we got a little bit too full of ourselves. And that's, that's, that is, I will say this, it's not just South Carolina. That is a very small program thing to do. Act like you've been there, right? That's, that's an expression people say. Well, seriously, act like you've been there. Handle, you have to be able to handle prosperity, handle success, celebrate it for a second, but then move on to the next task. That goes in life, business, sports, anything. You know what I mean? So, you know, you, 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 once you, if you ever get to a point where you feel like you made it, go move on and do something else. You're in the wrong profession. And Alabama's been able to do that so freaking well. All the elite programs do, man. They don't have these letdown games, right? They attack each and every – it's a nameless, faceless opponent. Steve Spurrier used to say that. It's a nameless – it doesn't matter who we're playing. It's just another team. We, have, we approach every single game week the exact same way. I know people got really tired of hearing Will Muschamp say every week's a season, and it's because he was the one saying it, not because it wasn't true. But, uh, you know, yeah, you, you just have to approach it the right way. I mean, I don't think there's any secret formula or – or any uh, any rain dance we need to do, or any freaking any hex, or we need to, you know, <laughs> blow, you know, blow, go sacrifice a live animal. I just think we need to approach each and every single game the right way. That starts with coaching, and it starts with Shane Beamer. It starts with a culture of, and the players in that in that locker room they'll build that culture. Shane Beamer will establish that culture of guys running around saying, "Hey, this is how we do things. Win, lose, or draw. We show up. We handle our business. Hey." We will we'll work when it's time to work, and we'll play when it's necessary, but we're going to show up and do our work. You know, we're going to handle it week after week after week. That's how you avoid that silly big loss, that silly upset. Like, you look at the schedule, man. You know, a game I look at, week five, you have Troy, and it's sandwiched between Kentucky and Tennessee. It'd be very easy for you to go out there and say, oh, you know, we, we just had this – let's say Carolina does beat Kentucky. We had this emotional win over Kentucky, you know, great win at home. And we're all looking forward to that road trip next week against Knoxville. We hate Tennessee. It's such a big game. And, oh, it's just Troy. We'll just go out there. and See, that's the wrong way to look at it. Like, you should attack Troy the same way you attack, attack Georgia, the same way you attack Mizzou, the same way you attack Clemson. Bro, it's, that's not a secret. There's no, there's no secret recipe here. It's about establishing that culture, man, establishing that expectation of we're going to go out and handle our business every single time we play. It doesn't matter who we play. It doesn't matter. And, I mean, hey, upsets happen in college football. They certainly do. But, you know, the teams that are the best, teams like Alabama, like I said, man, it's a nameless, faceless opponent each and every single week they take the field. They just go out there. They handle their business. Nothing special. Whether it's a win, whether it's a loss, you know, they expect to win. It's not something – you know what I mean? They expect to win. So, again, like I said, man, a long story short, to condense the answer, go out there, establish the culture of we're going to go out there and handle our business week after week and, and approach each opponent the exact same and – just take care of our business. That's pretty much it. That's, that's how you avoid, I think, these these silly upsets, if you will, or avoid the the highs, the, the roller coaster highs and lows, like you mentioned earlier. So, um, going into this season, um, give me some of your, let's say, sleeper, um, you know, sleeper Gamecock players that they that you expect to like, you know, have their breakout season this year. You know what's funny about that question, man, is couldn't you say, like, everybody on our team is a sleeper at this point? <laughs> it feels like – feel, I mean, who who out there, you know, outside of, like, maybe Kevin Harris is really, like, expected to blow up and have some huge year? No, I mean, I'll tell you this. Offensively, I think the guy that is the, the, the sleeper right now, and you might find that intriguing because I think he's going to be wide receiver one. But I think he is a sleeper because nobody's really talking about him. That is Amarian Brown. Like, I, I think Amarian Brown is going to be a legit stud for us. 
Um, if nothing else, I think he's going to be that threat on the outside that we absolutely have to have that will at least make defenses be honest. I mean, if you look at his film, as long as he's healthy now, I know he was banged up in the spring or whatever, but I think that was more uh, of precautionary. But, bro, you look at his film at Georgia Tech, I mean, this is a kid that was shredding some very good defenses, Clemson included. So I think Amarian Brown is a guy nobody's talking about offensively. Nobody's really looking at at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, is anybody sleeping on Marshawn Lloyd? I don't know that they're sleeping on him, but I don't – I think people are like – they don't really know what to think in regards to expectations. Dude, if he's healthy, he's going to have a monster year for you. Hey, why not Luke Doty, right? PFF, I know people don't really – give a rat's ass what PFF thinks because they don't really think highly of South Carolina, but PFF ranked Luke Doty, in case you missed this, folks, 125th out of 130 quarterbacks. Listen, I think the quarterback position is a question mark for South Carolina, but that is far too low for Luke Doty <laughs> and his athleticism and his skill set and I think what he'll be able to do in Shane Beamer and Marcus Satterfield's offense. Uh, defensively, you know, I, I would probably say Cam Smith is a guy that, you know, is he being slept on? I think I just think he's not being talked about at all. And I, I think he's going to take over in that quarterback one role. And I'll tell you this, man, I was able to talk to a, a current Gamecock right now. And, of course, I won't say his name or anything, but I talked to him, uh, this you know, end of December, beginning of January, uh, just about the secondary and some guys he liked. He told me that Cam Smith was the best pure corner on that roster last year, including guys named J.C. Horn and Ishmael Kwamu. So Cam Smith has obviously got some hella good upside if you got guys, like, talking about him in that way. So I think Cam Smith, certainly a guy, I think Mo Kaba could have a really, really big year at the linebacker position. And then, you know, I, again, I don't know if he's being slept on, but I, I think Jordan Burch is going to blow up this year. I think Jordan Burch is going to have a monster year for you defensively, along with really all of his buddies down there on the defensive line. But uh, like I told you, man, that, that's such an interesting question because, you know, there are guys that even if they're not sleepers, maybe like, I don't think a Jordan Burch is considered a sleeper in our mind. But in the national landscape, there's nobody talking about Jordan Burch. There's nobody talking about Cam Smith, right? So, dude, we have a lot of guys that should have a chip on their shoulder coming in this season. And I think that's a good thing. I think that will bode well for South Carolina. Um, kind of uh, piggybacking off the same question, um, I wanted to know going into this season, what, what do you have as your best position group and your worst position group? Mm hmm Best position offense. Like we're talking, we're talking overall best position group of the team, not just specific. Okay, overall best position group. I, I think you got to start with the defensive line. I think that's the strength of this football team. Um, you look at a lot of guys like Jay Janning Barre, Brad Johnson, Aaron Sterling, Jordan Berg, Zach Pickens, Rick Sandage, Tonka Hemingway, Jabari Ellis. Um, you know, guys that I'm probably even forgetting right now. Oh. Uh, Jordan Strawn, the guy from Georgia State, the sack master who led college football in sacks a year ago. You know, you just look at the sheer athleticism and talent on that defensive front. That's going to be the strength of this football team, no question. Certainly the strength of defense, and the Gamecocks will lean on that defensive line in every single game they played this year to generate a pass rush and help a very, very suspect secondary. The weakest position group of this team, I just mentioned the secondary. It's got to be either the wide receivers or the secondary. Um and I would probably say the secondary only because of the depth issues. At wide receiver, you have plenty of options. There's plenty of guys in that room, right? You just got to go out and find some dudes. I've said that many times this preseason. In the secondary, and I, I think Shane – listen, I think Shane Beamer and company have done a fantastic job addressing that room, bringing in guys like Karan Prunty 
Marcellus Dial, um, Tyrese Ross, the kid from Washington State. You know, they've done a really good job in the transfer portal trying to boost that room as much as they can. But I think depth is still kind of an issue there. I think it is. I think depth's an issue. You know, I think your starting five might be okay. But, man, I, I, I still think you have to say to yourself the secondary is extremely suspect going into the season until they prove you otherwise. Again, they're going to be leaning on that pass rush to help them out. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'd say, again, it's either the secondary or the wide receivers, but I secondary just because depth is a concern for me. Especially, hey, we haven't even – and nobody wants to talk about it, of course, and knock on wood. Nobody wants to talk about the injury bug. God forbid injuries hit this football team in any freaking way because you, you just can't afford it, you, especially in the secondary. You cannot afford it. So, I would say the secondary is probably your biggest deficiency, and I would say the defensive line certainly your strength on this team. Um, looking at it, um, like looking at the SEC as a whole, and I think you said this in one of your um previous podcasts, but um, this this on uh, this SEC conference specifically the East is probably you know as why one of is one of the down most down years that you know we're gonna see. Um, so like, like, like I uh, kind of wanted you to like you know like give like give your opinion. Outside of Georgia, of course, I, I, right. I think I should mention that honestly. But uh, you know, outside of Georgia, um, you know, where can you see South Carolina falling, like end of the season division rankings? Yeah, and I think it was it was Heather Dinich, right, that said it was the weakest division in college football, which I think is most certainly a stretch because I think the Pac-12 still exists. I think it's like the Pac-12 South. It's just absolute garbage. Um. <laughs> But, yeah, man, you speak on the SEC East, and you're right. It's wide open, man. And I would say this. If there was ever a time for South Carolina to make a coaching change and have Shane Beamer enter into the SEC East, enter in the SEC, is there any time better than now? I mean, the opportunity's there, man. I, I, you know, Because, like you said, it's Georgia, and then there's a huge gap. And then there's Florida, I think, below them. And then there's another huge gap. So, um you know, I, I think certainly this is a great opportunity for Shane Beamer coming into the SEC. You know, I, I uh, without giving away my predictions, because I'm going to actually have part two. We're going to predict the last six games of the season. I've actually, I'll tell you this, man. So I've got one of these SEC helmet schedules right here. You see this one's blank, right? I have another one, though. It's across the room. Every game is filled out. I will be ready to drop every single one of these. On Friday, we'll probably put a graphic together or something. You guys will know my official exactly, you know, one through seven, how this finishes up. I'll tell you this. I could see South Carolina finishing anywhere as high as third. You could also see them finishing as low as sixth. And it's going to come down to a lot of swing games. Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mizzou. Those are the four big swing games. You know, I, I listed Florida as a swing game as well. But realistically, I think that one's probably, you know, if I had a gun to head right now, am I picking it a win or a loss? I would probably pick it a loss again. I'm, not, I'm trying not to spoil the predictions. I'm trying to leave a cliffhanger for uh, Thursday's podcast. But, um, you know, I think it does set up well for South County. You know, them coming off of the bye week, Florida coming off of the Georgia game. I think it sets up well for the Gamecocks to pull that upset. But, uh, you know, I think picking South County probably fifth or sixth in the East is probably the right spot. Um, again, you want to keep realistic expectations in year one, man. Kentucky's still a good football team. Missouri's a quality team in year two at Eli Drinkwitz. Florida's still Florida, man. They have talent. I mean, I, th I know we all think Tennessee's a dumpster fire, but you got to go to Knoxville, which has been a house of horrors for you. So, you know, 
it, it is really interesting, though, because I think there's a lot of, you know, I really do believe in the SEC East hierarchy, and it's really important where you are in regards to that. There's a lot of teams, again, the Mizzou's, the Kentucky's, the Tennessee's, and the South Carolina's, who are all looking to kind of find themselves. Like, what is our trajectory? Where do we sort of fall as it comes to the SEC East hierarchy? Because, again, Georgia's up there by themselves. Florida's sort of that second tier. If you, I know they lost a lot, but it's still Florida. They have a talented football team. They've recruited well, no question. But after that, it's like, who's going to be that other team outside of Florida that pushes Georgia for the SEC East? Let's say in the next five years, right? Who's going to be that team? And a year like this year where if you're Shane Beamer, dude, if you can get to six, seven, God forbid you can get to eight wins, all of a sudden, you know, you're ahead of schedule. You can sell that on the recruiting trail. And again, if you think there's a lot of recruiting momentum right now, imagine selling a seven-win, eight-win, God forbid, season on the recruiting trail and telling these kids, hey, we're just two or three pieces away. You're one of the guys we need. So I think it is really interesting, man. Like you said, it's as wide open as it's ever been, and it's an opportunity for South Carolina, I think, and many others as well, but it's an opportunity for the Gamecocks to sort of, you know, knock on that door a little bit, you know, try to try to budge that door open a little bit, put their foot in that thing and kind of establish themselves in the SEC East hierarchy. That's why I think beating like a Tennessee is so big, right? Beating a Tennessee is huge. Be, you know, you, you want to be like as ahead of many, as many teams as you can. And if you lose to Tennessee and if you, if you finish sixth in the East, like many have projected, it's like, dude, there's only one team behind you, and they're Vandy. Vandy ain't competing for the East anytime soon. So um, the SEC East stuff, man, the, the hierarchy stuff, I think it's really important. And But, hey, this is this is a great opportunity for Shane Beamer and company, man. Like I said, you you could not have asked. Hey, this is a much more favorable situation than when Steve Spurrier took over. Because when he took over, right, it was Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, the big three. Like, I mean, these are like top ten teams every year. And everybody else is just kind of playing for fourth. Bro, now, I mean, I, I know Florida's got talent, but, dude, again, like you said, it's as wide open as it's ever been. I don't think Shane Beamer could have asked to take over in a better situation. And he's going to have a chance to make a splash in year one, that's for sure. Give me your opinions on the Gamecocks offensive line. Um, obviously, you know, they had their they, they had their ups and downs um, last year. Um, you know, they, they helped Kevin Harris get to that 1,000-yard um, rushing season. Uh, uh, yeah, last year. Um, you know, I just want to give your opinions on, you know, mm-hmm. or give your opinions or expectations on, you know, them and, um, you know, them blocking for, you know, Lloyd, Harris, and Doty, or who, mm-hmm. whoever the quarterback. Man, yeah, maybe. long story short, man, I, I – yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Long story short, I feel really good about the offensive line. I mean, I, I talked with uh, Phil Steele about this extensively. But, uh, you know, four or five starters returning from an offensive line, like you said, paved the way for a 1,000-yard-plus season for Kevin Harris in a 10-game all-conference schedule, by the way. Um, over 80 career starts returned to an offensive line. You know, you, I think you've got like eight or nine guys that have valuable actual in-game experience. So um, the offensive line, to me, I think should be a strength. I'm not sitting here saying it's one of the best offensive lines in the SEC, but I think it's certainly top half of the league. The big thing is this, because people love to talk about the pass blocking, and, and pass blocking by no means was a strength of that unit last year. But I think that unit got sort of, you know, they, they, they've caught the raw end of the deal in, in regards to those sack numbers and, and people looking at that and, and saying, oh, the offensive line was just terrible, couldn't pass block at all. Well, when you have a guy like Colin Hill, and no disrespect to Colin Hill, by the way, totally appreciate what he did for the Gamecocks, but when you have a guy like Colin Hill that, that uh, is a complete statue back there and 
you know, you, you're getting behind the sticks on first down and defenses know they can pin their ears back. I mean, it's going to make the sack numbers look really, really ugly. So I think with, you know, the return of Kevin Harris, Marshawn Lloyd, you're going to run the football. I expect the running game to be fine. And then having an athletic quarterback, you know, I'm going to break down offense, defense, special teams, all that starting next week. I think offensively, dude, having an athletic quarterback is going to help this team so much. I think it's going to help this team immensely. I think it'll be the difference maker offensively. Um, and it'll certainly help the offensive line. But, again, you, you got to like what you have. Four or five starters returning over 80 starts. Feel good about that unit overall. Um, can you – okay. Um, or I, I, I think I have a question. Uh, Davidson Lynch asks, what do we have to do to make a bowl game? It – if I had to pick, all right, if I, had to, I think there's many things that probably need to go right. If I had to pick one thing, though, man, I think Luke Doty has to be that guy. You got to find the answer at quarterback, you know. Um, you know, I, I think your defensive line, those guys are athletes. They're studs. They're, they're, they're going to cause havoc all season long. I think your secondary will probably just kind of be is what it is. You know, you just need it to be serviceable. Kevin Harris, Marshawn Lloyd are going to do their thing. Wide receivers with efficiency. Quarterback's the biggest question, right? And like I said earlier, if you do not have a quarterback, you do not have a chance. Luke Doty's got to pan out and be that guy, right? And I, I, I know some fans, we love to have the conversation of who's QB1. I can tell you right now it's Luke Doty. And if he wasn't QB1, Shane Beamer would not have come out and named him the starter after the spring game. So right now we're all going to assume that it's going to be Luke Doty, right? Again, I don't care who it is. I just want to win football games. If it's Jason Brown, fine. If it's Colton Gauthier, fine. Heck, if it's Connor Jordan, cool. But – that position has to figure itself out. And I'm not saying Luke Doty has to go out there and throw for 5,000 yards and, and be some all-SEC caliber player, but he's got to be a serviceable option, right? He's got to be a serviceable option. Don't lose games for South Carolina. Be smart with the football. Don't turn it over. When you do pass, be efficient with it and keep defenses honest with your athleticism. You do all those things and make, the, you know, make that spectacular highlight play every now and then, You've had a successful year, and I think you can get the Gamecocks to a bowl game, but you've got to figure that position out. You will not make a bowl game with average to below-average quarterback play. You just won't. You just you just won't, bottom line, dude. I'm telling you, if you South Carolina was rolling into games last year, and like I said, all respect to Colin Hill. I appreciate what he did. And heck, I was – believe it or not, I was one of the biggest Colin Hill defenders. I'm sure you remember that. I was a Colin Hill defender last year. I never thought I'd see the day where I was defending a guy like Colin Hill, but – you know, this team had many other problems outside of Colin Hill, but, you know, his lack of mobility, and that's putting it very kindly, his lack of mobility, it killed this football team. It just killed this football team, especially when you didn't have any weapons on the outside. And you, you know, you had who you had calling plays and sort of the philosophies, if you will, offensively. So long story short, the thing that has to go right for South Carolina to make a bowl game, quarterback. Quarterback, whoever it is, Luke Doty, Jason Brown, Colton Gothier. I tend to think it's going to be Luke Doty. Luke Doty's got to evolve into that consistent player you can depend on game after game and again. Again, he doesn't have to be a hero. Does not have to be a hero. Doesn't have to go do anything crazy, but he can't lose games for you either. So figure out quarterback, and I think a bowl game is realistic in 2021. Um, Chris, I want to move on off of Gamecock football. Last time he did this, it was it was it was uh, hilarious to me at least. Um, you know, get your opinion on Dabo, but um, you know, I'm not gonna ask you about Dabo. You know, but um, <laughs> you know, I wanted to uh, I, I wanted to get your opinion on what game 
that's not game cop football. What what like what game are you most excited for? Like or anticipating the most? Well, I mean, it's hard not to say Georgia Clemson, man. I, that's that's I, I think that's probably and listen, I'm I'm ecstatic we have a night game week one. Wouldn't change it for anything. I I would be lying if I said that I wasn't looking forward to watching that Georgia Clemson game that night because I thought it was almost a damn guarantee we're going to play EIU at noon. Um, so we don't even really get to watch it, but I, I, I think that's probably going to be the game of the year, man. I think Georgia Clemson's probably the game of the year. It's it's without a doubt going to be the, the most talent showcased on the field in a college football game this season, I would say. If I had to pick one outside of that that's like maybe a dark horse, I will tell you this. I think that matchup, Texas A&M-Alabama October the 9th in College Station, I think A&M is the one team that can really challenge Alabama for the SEC West. I think that's going to be an awesome football game. I think A&M is a really, really good team. And, and uh, you know, again, I, I think that's the only team that can really challenge them. So I think that's a great game. Um, you know, Florida-Georgia is always fun to watch. Uh, Florida at LSU, that's turned to a real, you know, a heck of a rivalry. Those two teams absolutely hate each other. Um, I'll tell you a sneaky good one, man. Getting outside of the SEC, I and mean, it's an SEC game still, but a non-conference game. Week one, LSU at UCLA. I've actually got UCLA beating LSU. So, I think UCLA is a lot better than some people think. And I think – I just – I still don't know that I really believe in LSU. I, they had a really rough year last year. And I know they returned some nice pieces, but I'm telling – that's like a three-point spread game. It's going to be a really close football game. So, hey, there, there's – there's a lot of great games on the schedule this year, I man. It feels good that we're going to have a normal schedule, a full schedule. If you, I know we're all excited for that, but uh, yeah, man, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't think I think we're all going to be taking as much college football as we can after last year and just kind of the weirdness and you know how strange it was. Can't wait to consume all the games, man. But obviously, certainly we're doing what I do, man. I, I'll be locking in the game cocks each and each and every single week. So uh, yeah, I'm looking at South Carolina's bye week right now, just wondering, hey, which one of these games maybe what I want to watch? Ole Miss at Auburn could be a lot of fun to tune into. Uh, or yeah, Florida, Georgia. That'd be a heck of a game to watch too. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's going to be a fun season, man. I, I can't wait. Cannot wait for it. Man, man, I, you, you, you really got. I, I was not expecting that. It's funny because, it's funny because, um, you know, everybody, you know, um, everybody's so highly on. Um, everybody's so highly on Texas A&M, and, and, and deservedly so. Um, but I think um, I think the one game outside of Bama that they should be on the lookout for is that game against Colorado. And I know people might, you know, look at me like, what, Colorado? But Colorado finished second in, in the Pac-12, um, you know, uh, last year. Granted, short, short, short on schedule and it's Pac-12, but – you just can't like yep. like at Colorado can't take them for granted. Exactly. Colorado week two, yes. Yeah, I mean, never know, never know, dude. It, here's here's the funny thing: we we spend all preseason making these like predictions and this that. You, bro, college football's got a mind of its own. You you know it, it's gonna it, there's gonna be upsets or, that nobody saw coming. There's gonna be games that completely shake the college football landscape, and that's what makes this that much fun, right? That's what makes it fun is the uh, the uncertainty and the unknowns and and uh, just can't wait to take it all in, man. It's going to be one hell of a season. Chris Phillips, the Spurs of the Show, man. Nice nice having you back on, man. Dude, yeah, I know. it's always a pleasure to chat, man. Anytime you want to just talk some ball, man, I'd love to do so.
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, anything, you know, like any little quick um, shout outs, promotions uh, that you want to do real quick. Dude, just stay tuned to the content, man. It's, uh, you know, I, I was joking with somebody earlier, but it's really the truth, man. For, for me, football season basically started today. So uh, podcast dropped today, you know, dropping the uh, the game by game predictions for the first six games of the season. We'll have part two on Thursday. So by Thursday, you'll know my full season predictions. And then, uh, you know, we're rolling into next week. We'll start talking offense, defense, special teams. And then after that, we'll do the individual position unit breakdowns. And that'll roll all the way into the preseason. But, dude, content bleeding out the eyeballs, man. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the Spurs Up show, of course, the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you consume your podcast, you can find it. And, of course, uh, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, heck, we're even on TikTok. So we're all over the place. Anywhere you can find the Spurs Up show, of course, our website. Um, yeah, dude, when we're in for a hell of a week, hell of a 54 days, man, we're, we're live at uh, Tin Roof Wednesday night, 5 to 7, every single Wednesday at the Vista um, and, and in Columbia, South Carolina. So if you're tuned into this and you're in the Columbia area, please come out, you know, 5 to 7. Um, yeah, so, dude, every, just stuff's rolling right now, man. It's, it's, it's incredible. And I'm just, like I said, man, I, I'm – how can you not have perspective right now, no matter who you are? Because this time last year, you know, we I think there were a lot of us that were still talking college football and and trying to, you know, presume there was going to be a normal season. But it was anything but, right? There were a lot of question marks. And it, it really felt almost like hollow putting out content because it's like we don't even know if we're going to kick off in time. And, you know, I think it was like a couple weeks after this date. You know, we didn't even have SEC media days last year. So to be putting out content in the preseason and be knowing, hey, we are kicking off September the 4th. Toe is meeting leather September the 4th, and to be able to sort of plan things out and, and build the hype and continue the momentum, it, it's it, it's truly a blessing. It's incredible. But, yeah, man, I, I would just say to everybody tuned in, just just make sure you're, you're, you're continuing to stay tuned into the Spurs Up show because the content is bleeding out of the eyeballs for us for sure, and I absolutely can't wait for it, man. It's going to be a hell of the next 54 days. And, I mean, you already know, man, once we get in the season, it's, it's, it's you know, all bets are off for what might happen. So, Oh, um. One more question. Super Bowl champion prediction. Yeah, I, you, got, you got me stumped now. Uh, give, me, give me Mahomes. Give me the Chiefs. The Chiefs. How can you go? I think, I think Mahomes is like the next Brady, right? I think he's, I think he's legit. So. Okay, okay. So. On that note, man, always, always, always a blessing to have you on, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Let's definitely do it again soon. Like I said, always a pleasure to chat with you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And um, you guys, make sure you go follow um, Chris Phillips, the Spurs Up Show. Um, my name is Zaya Davis, talking football, and we are.